Hi and welcome. My name is Josh Stone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. The Ignite podcast is dedicated purely to the engineering and construction industry. Join me as I interview serious change makers, leaders and business owners who are creating significant shifts in the industry, leading inspired teams, running successful businesses and in general making big things happen. As the old saying goes, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. This podcast is all about bringing like-minded change makers, leaders, and business owners in the engineering and construction industry together to share their stories, their strategies, their ideas, and their mindset on what's working for them right now in order to help you learn from the best to implement and to grow as well. Now, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. In the meantime, hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. Well, hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Ignite podcast. Uh, Today I'm being joined by Jason Ryan. Mate, welcome to the call. Thanks for that, Josh. Glad to be on the call with you. Thanks, mate. So we've obviously had a pretty decent chat before we started recording. Maybe just tell everyone a little bit about your journey, start of the business, and what you've been doing over the last little while. No worries. So, yeah, I'm originally born and bred in Mackay. I moved down to the Gold Coast to finish year 11 and 12 of high school and then ended up going to Griffith Uni to do engineering. So when I first started there, I got a scholarship with Queensland Main Road. So I did full-time work and full-time uni. So by the time I graduated, I was pretty lucky to have really good experience. And I got poached by a consultancy firm to go to Sydney and moved down there for a few years, ended up getting another role. LinkedIn had just been invented. And I got approached on, well, not just invented, but started getting more widely used in Australia in 2010. So I ended up getting approached for a role with Sydney Ports Corporation and did that for a couple of years. And then in the meantime, I yeah, just kept studying and working and ended up meeting a bloke on an aeroplane that was the managing director at Queensland Airport. So he kept me in mind for a job a few years later. So when I was 23, I got offered the role of general manager of planning projects at Queensland Airports. So I did that for three years. And just after just after I, I started there, I ended up meeting my now wife and she was moving to Melbourne. So I said to her, no, don't, don't move. Wait until we get married and have babies and then we'll move to Melbourne. So, so good. <laughs> it was good fun. Yeah, so yeah. I ended up, yeah, staying to my word. And after three years, we were married. Well, we got engaged after two months, but basically ended up moving to Melbourne after the three years with Queensland Airports. So I saw that out and started the business, JJ Ryan Consulting, full-time. So I just moved to Melbourne, didn't know a soul, and, yeah, started the business from scratch down there. Yeah, good, mate. and. Uh- so I'm curious about your journey and I'm, I'm kind of like, obviously you told us a little bit about, you know, what you've been up to before we started recording, but I'm, ser- I'm, I'm curious about probably a couple of things. So you mentioned you're about a hundred odd people now. Is that, that, that's about right. Yep. Yep. In headcount. Yep. About that. Oh, good. And, and so like, how did you get started? Like, obviously you've moved, moved to somewhere, you, you know, no one, you've got no contacts, no networks, like. What does someone do in that space? So 
when I first moved down to Melbourne, like I was saying, didn't, didn't know anyone. So I was trying to figure out how to win work locally. So I would randomly rock along to networking events with the Institute of Architects and try and socialize with them. I, I would do a lot of FIFO back to Queensland to help clients up. So uh, I was seconded to Virgin Australia as an airport development manager for a, for a fair while. And then I, I started doing secondments and building the business in the background as I was doing those. So for example, I was design manager on the Fox Groundberry Bypass with Fulton Hogan during the construction phase. And as I was on these secondments, I'd basically be winning work on the side to feed back to the team in Melbourne. And so the first year was just myself and my wife. And then in the second year, we started employing people. And then by the end of 2016, we had eight staff and we've pretty much doubled every year since. Yeah, right. Mate, that's massive growth over the last couple of years. Like how, how have you found that? How have you kept up with the growth? Like what have been some of your, your wins and your lessons? The biggest thing is just having grit and, un- and an understanding wife. So my wife and I have five kids as well. So we've managed to oh, wow. pentuple or whatever five times is our, our kids' pool size. But she also works in the business as general counsel now. She used to be a class actions lawyer. So it's really helpful having her in the business because as we've grown, she's been able to bring a lot of maturity in terms of how we deal with human resources and things like that. So, yeah, in terms of growing, it's interesting at the different stages of, of growing a business, the different challenges that you have. Definitely the hardest would have been around, I think, 2018, 19, when we were at the 30 to 40 kind of person stage because you start realizing what cash flow is. And you, you, you're not able to deliver all the work yourself and you can't check everything. So, you kind of have to leap to the next stage where you step away a little bit from the, the tools and still try and keep a hand in it. But yeah, I'm sure you've been through similar in the growth of the, the company that you're with. Well, mate, I guess like that's one of the things that honestly, like it, if we're talking about delegation and kind of then, so whether I'm working with a business owner or a team leader within a larger corporation, like there's always this pivotal moment where, you know, we, we're trained as engineers, we're very technically, technically minded, we place a lot of, you know, sense of self-worth on our ability to solve a problem and get stuff done and we just kind of move through our career or we start a business and all of a sudden it's, it's not so much about, I mean, obviously it is about delivering for our, for our clients and solving problems and that sort of stuff, but it's more about people, right? Like it's more about how you actually get the most out of the people around you and underneath you. What was that transition like for you? Like, I'm curious about, you know, your, your words around like that transition from still hands-on in the business, doing projects to then having to kind of trust the team around you to, to, to deliver. It's like a sine wave because when I went to Queensland airports as general manager, I got thrown in the deep end with the team there delivering half a billion dollars of CapEx. Yeah. So I kind of had to learn really quickly how to delegate and, and manage a larger team. So I was used to that and I did that for three years, but I would still, at Queensland airports, we would still do some in-house design work just to keep our skills sharp. When I started the business full-time, I went back to being completely on the tools, designing backyard retaining walls, it's whatever. And, and so 
that that was a bit of a shock having to get right back on the tools, which was fine, but you, you'd have to get your grid on and start delving deep into detail. Uh, but the rest of it, as we've grown, it's just slowly merging back out of detail more and more to being more strategic, but I still like getting my hands dirty. Yep. What's, what was that transition like for you? Do you, you're happy to do it? Like obviously you've done it before at the airport, that sort of stuff, but obviously this is your baby, right? And I know plenty of business owners that I work with that really kind of struggle to let go because, you know, it's their reputation, it's their business. If, if they hand over to someone, can I trust this person? Can I do it as well as me? This is, you know, my reputation, the client's reputation, et cetera. Yeah. What was that like for you? You were, you were okay with that or is that sort of a bit of a thing that you had to work through? I'm still working through it. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to let go of the reins. I'm a bit yep. of a, a control freak. So I try not to micromanage and I don't micromanage until I have to, but it is very hard to let go of the reins. Right, it um, is. But we do have a new operations manager who's doing a good job. So yeah, it's, it's good. And have they told you to kind of politely just get out of the way and let me do my job kind of thing? No, no, they're very respectful. Okay. <laughs> he's ex-defense and he's doing he's, he's a young guy from Maryborough. And and yeah, very polite, good manners, smart dude. And yeah, it's been during COVID, we had an operations manager. We pushed everyone down a level to not make people redundant during COVID because okay. there was a slowdown in work after three or four months. So we managed to basically everyone but we did have to push everyone down one level of detail so i had 14 direct reports for two years which was a punishment oh, <laughs> i believe the statistics are mate you're i think you're good to look after about five direct reports and anything more than that then it's just too much so yeah i think i've got about six now so that's not too bad so what's the structure like now like do you, you obviously have sort of people in charge of disciplines and that sort of stuff like what's what's the structure look like now Yep. So we've got our corporate team. So commercial, which has all the human resources, governance and legal. So we've got a few lawyers in-house that I've found are very good at, you know, dealing with that stuff, even though, you know, they get, we don't have much legal work, but they get to be there if there is an issue. But at the same time, they're very professional. We've got the finance team. Ying has been with us since... I think she was like our seventh or eighth employee. So she's a senior accountant or finance manager that's been in-house with us for five or six years. And then we've got a technology team. And then on the operating side, we've got civil. So we've got a team leader for civil that reports to the ops manager, structures, airports, electrical, and projects, which is project management and contract administration. Okay. And, with, and then we've got a, a, a second company as well, which is NGSeq, which is a software development company. Yeah, well, that's actually going to be my next question. So that's a nice segue. Like maybe tell us a bit about that and what's, what was, you know, did you start that? Is that sort of some, your, your brainchild and how, what does it do? How's it going? So initially it was going to be a dating website to find engineers, hence NGSeq. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> the original logo had a little love heart over the eye. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, it's it that that was the initial intention, but I pivoted it to being the software development company because it was a shell company sitting there not doing much. And about five years ago, we hired our first software engineer and started tinkering away at a few different products that complemented the consultancy. 
So yeah, we basically have built about five products now that have some users in the industry on them and they're, they're beginning to generate some good revenue. So it's, it's like an ongoing kind of revenue rather than having to do billing, which is directly proportional to in, in consulting, your, your invoicing is directly proportional to hours billed yep. basically. So yeah, it, it's, it's good. We've got four software engineers in Brisbane. Yeah. Right. Curious about the initial initial idea. Like, was that just something you thought of on the side that you know engineers needed help finding finding their one true love kind of thing, or what, what was the idea behind that? I have a spreadsheet set up, which is a technical analysis for a wife. So it's got sixteen analytic hierarchy criteria. Right. And yeah, I knew the night that I met my wife, she was the one. That's why we got engaged and married and had babies so quickly. Does she so know fun. that you know you you checked it over in the spreadsheet? Yeah, she broke the spreadsheet. She was like an <laughs> infinity out of 10. All right. This is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> so no, she's, she's awesome. She had 10 things she wanted in a man and I, I uh, apparently I ticked all those and yeah, she broke the spreadsheet. So that's perfect. All right. This is amazing. And why did it not kind of take off? Just something didn't get the right attention or you just felt like there wasn't a need for it? Oh, no, I never really do anything with it. I just, I thought it would be funny to have it made into a little app, but then I didn't, I just focused on the consultancy and then I was like, hmm, I've got this sitting there. I might as well use it for something and ended up, yeah, building it into a, into a software company. Yeah, right. And so <laughs> what kind of, what kind of products? Are like- so we got five at the moment. So the, the, the coolest one is called Airspace Lab. So it's for planning on and around aerodromes. Okay. So yeah, we've basically, there's invisible airspace around airports and it's quite often hard for people to visualize what that looks like. So we've built a tool that has the terrain data built in and then also has the obstacle limitation surface and PANSOPS, which is the basically the flight paths of aircraft built into it. And then if you want to put up a crane near an aerodrome, you have to get permission from the airport. So this basically does the calculations in two minutes instead of taking on average, it would probably take, I don't know, it depends on how comp- where, where it is, but one to three hours per crane permit. Yep. So an example is, you know, a, an Archerfield airport in Brisbane would get 250 a year. A Sydney airport would get thousands, like one to two and a half thousand, depending on the activity around the airport. Holy, right. So that's one. Another one's Lab 55,000, which is a homage to ISO 55,001. It's an asset management software. We've got digital twins we've been building for bridges. So we do probably 1,500 to 2,000 level two bridge inspections a year. Yep. And with that data, we've been building 3D BIM models, bridge information model models. So yeah, basically a digital twin system. And then another one is AeroWash, which is a downwash calculator for helicopters. And yep. we've used that in the land and environment court a few times. And it's another one, LEAT. It's our internal kind of CRM. And Flow, which is used, we design about 4,000 steel frame houses a year and it's used yep. to manage that workflow. Yeah, right. Interesting. And do you find that those products sort of complement work you're already doing for existing clients or is, is, is it sort of a new, open up a new revenue stream for new clients? Like what's sort of the mix there? It's, it's complementary with, with what we're doing already. Yep. So yeah, all, all of it, 
all the products that we're developing, there's synergies between the consulting firm and the software. Yeah, makes sense because you're doing all that sort of stuff day in, day out, all the time, and you just go, maybe there's a quicker way to do this. The way of the future, yeah. Reduce If you reduce labour, so with NG Flow, we save. We can... Once we've reviewed and checked all the building details, we can print out a design certificate like a Form 15 in Queensland or the equivalent in Victoria, et cetera, in five, the click of a button. So instead of spending 10 minutes filling out a form, yep. it's a click of a button. So when you're doing 4,000 houses a year, yeah, right. say it's 400 hours of a principal engineer a year. Holy, oh, that's unreal. Yeah. Right. Okay. I just wanted to dive into that. That's super interesting. I've got my, the, the inner engineer came out of me there. So super curious about what you've been doing there. That's awesome. Yeah. And I've just started a PhD. So I'm doing my own coding in my spare time. Do you have any spare time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been wondering today. I'm like, hmm, what do I work on today? <laughs> that's great. Because the operations manager is doing everything right. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, that's, that's the dream. That is good, mate. Well done. Yeah. I'm, Curious to shift gears a bit. So I'm curious to talk about leadership and culture in terms of, you know, obviously growing that rapidly. And we had a conversation about sort of, you know, experiences I've had in terms of businesses bolting together and that sort of rapid growth. And sometimes if not managed well, can, can lead to cultural issues. Like what would you say? Well, I guess, you know, can we have an honest conversation about, you know, how did you go sort of doubling growth every year? Were there some cultural challenges? Were there team issues, that sort of stuff? And then how did you kind of navigate that and work through it? The culture we've got is pretty fun. So we have our tips, which are our values. So that's trust, innovation, passion, and sustainability. And basically we talk about it all the time. So we have monthly tips awards and yeah it's it's the the culture we have is we all call a spade a spade and yeah but at the same time we're respectful we don't buy into work culture i'm not a fan of that but yeah being from a kai just get you know everyone gets on with it and enjoys themselves so as long as people are growing themselves they're enjoying the work and they're taking pride in quality we're happy and i think yeah we we, we haven't really had any specific culture issues yeah right and i think i think if you're doing lots of acquisitions and bringing in different businesses and so forth then that that can occur if you're trying to smash two different cultures together because it's like when you get married you've got in-laws and you come from two different sets of family of origins and so business is the same you have different family of origins in your businesses whereas with us it's just it's just us so people come in and they form part of it if they don't like the culture they don't usually stay very long so yep but our turnover has been really good in terms of industry benchmarks and i think filling it with more defense people as well they have a lot of loyalty and discipline which has been really really nice to bring on more defense veterans probably a bit more level-headed too yeah 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 awesome and would you say that that i guess the company values and the company culture reflects your sort of own personal values and culture or has that sort of evolved over the years 
No, I'd say it's fairly similar. Like, yeah, we, we have a lot of focus on family and flexibility as well. So obviously my wife's got, and I, me as well, <laughs> we both, we've got five kids. Yep. So she, obviously we've been able to grow the business whilst balancing family. So we understand what it's like for people with, with families and things like that as well. And I think we've, we've found people really enjoy the environment and in terms of the way obviously you get pockets of the business where they have different flavors and so forth but that's just how it is and you embrace people and everyone's different but as long as yep. as long as people like i was saying take pride in what they do and and get on with it without rubbish then we're happy yeah awesome mate sounds like really kind of grassroots down to earth like obviously no bs but get your work done have fun like you yep. know, life's life's too short, right? To to not enjoy or hate hate where you work. So let's make it as That's fun right. as possible. Yeah. We all make mistakes. And if people make mistakes, as long as someone learns from it, then we we just take it on the chin and say, all right, well, next time we can do it a bit differently. How's yeah. that gonna work? And then hopefully we don't repeat the same mistakes. Yeah, good. Mate, that's so good. To you at an as it at sorry, to you at an individual level, like what do you think have been, I guess, the main personality traits that have supported you over the journey? Like you talked, you, you mentioned a couple of times at the start of the, the podcast about grit. What other sort of personality traits have really supported you and you've kind of leaned on to to continue to grow and turn up every day? I don't know. You, 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 before we started the podcast, you were mentioning about personality models and things like that really briefly do you, do you subscribe to any specific ones as a preference i think look not really i think they've all got their place and i mean i've you know i've, I've built my own personality quiz and i have my own kind of you know four main personality styles and stuff i think they 100 percent have all their own they have they have their place but i use my personality quiz as really just a starting point like i think you know it's nice for people to have a an awareness of their kind of dominant personality style, their dominant traits, their strengths, their weaknesses, their their work ons, their you know how how good they are as a leader, all that sort of thing. But I'm very much a subscriber to that's just an, an entry point or a starting point. You know, like you know, there's so many studies now that show that the brain's malleable and we can learn new things and do things a different way. I don't like to put people into a box and that's you and that's all you'll ever be. Yeah. I think it's a nice starting point, but then it's like, okay, well, what other traits do you admire in that person over there? Okay. Well, if you want to learn them, here's the steps that we go through to kind of re rewire the neural pathways in your brain to get good at that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, that makes sense. I agree. You're not, no, no one fixed perfectly within a model or a box. It's just a, no, it's a talking point to get people on the same page and to understand some of the biases that, well, that's separate, but to understand like as a baseline where someone might, how, how someone might interpret what you're saying and so forth. So yeah, I guess my, the, the, the one that I've most used, my sister who, who does a lot of this sort of stuff, she hates it, but I love Myers-Briggs. Oh, and yeah. so on that one, I'm an ENTJ. Um, okay. So for, for me, it's in, in terms of what traits I've got other than grit, it's just attention to detail and, and able to 
bring other people on the journey. So yeah, like I, I will give people sugar when they deserve it and I'll give people stick when they deserve it. But, you know, hopefully it's like 95% sugar, 5% stick. <laughs> but yeah, anyone knows that if they're going to come up to me with, with something that's silly, it's probably going to not be really well received. But yep. yeah, if, if something's well thought out and, and, and they've done their homework, then if there's an, an issue on something, I'll help people solve it. And also coaching, I'll, I'll spend time, like obviously when we first started the business, I'd actually had a fair few junior people that I was coaching and it's, it's kind of nice to see them going through industry now and seeing where they've ended up in their careers. Yep. I, I think of them like alumni. And yeah, it's good to be able to, to watch people grow and, and then also see who they're teaching. So it's like, you know, a continuous cycle of just teaching people skills and how to do things thoroughly. Yep. Awesome, mate. So that, that sounds like, yeah, you've got a good awareness of your, you know, main personality traits, those sort of strengths that you can lean on to get the most out of any situation. What are you still working on? Like, what do you, what do you you know, is this the right word not so good at that you want to get better at and that you're still wanting to work on in terms of your own personality style and personality traits? Oh, man, I can, I can be quite abrupt. Yeah, so okay. my wife helps me with that a lot. She's, she's very thoughtful and empathetic. So we balance each other out. I wouldn't say I would change the way that I am in terms of being blunt because it's got me to where I am. Yeah. But I guess over time I've matured. So like when I was at Sydney Ports as a young engineer, something might go wrong and I'd get angry and, you know, however I was. And, uh, but over time being in leadership roles, like when I have staff within the business getting stressed, I'm like, I don't know, you, you just, I try and help them understand, look, it's all relative, right? Whether you're working mm. at Woolworths behind the deli or you're in your role right now or you're me. I said, I'm just as stressed now as I was when I was dishing meat out at Woolies like 20 years ago. So it's all, all relative how you handle stress. And like from my perspective, I think that's one thing that I've like done well with is being able to handle stress. And I think I've matured a lot from when I was younger in terms of, yeah, taking things personally. Yeah. What are your go-to, like when you say you're good at dealing with stress, like what does that look like for you personally? Spreadsheets. Oh, right. <laughs> Coding. Build lots of spreadsheets. Yeah. Now I spend a lot of time, like my, my days are pretty good. I work on average, I reckon 80 to hundred hours a week, but okay. it basically looks like I usually try and get up at six or seven, hang out with the wife and kids for half an hour to an hour, go to work, try to get home at five thirty six hang out with them for another hour or so and then do a bit more work. And then on the weekends, I usually have full attention on the family during the days and then do yep. it at night. Okay. So, yeah, it's a pretty good balance. Yeah, good. I mean, everyone's different, right? Like there was this big movement a few years ago about work-life balance and getting it right, getting it perfect, but everyone's different. Like for someone, 80 to 100 hours a week would completely blow them up. But that's just not their balance. And I think it's 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 a nice shift that everyone's, I guess, a bit more empowered to go, well, what's the right balance for me? Yeah. And as long as as it's working and you're getting to do all the things that you want to do in your life and you feel fulfilled and, you know, life is good. That's the main thing. Like that's that's, most, 
That's the end game, right? Fulfillment. 100%. Like our team don't do that and I don't expect them to do that. I just go a little bit crazy if I'm not kept busy. So, yeah, they, they on average, I reckon our team would work 40 to 45 hours a week, which is pretty good. And we are investing in training and things like that. So yep. both in-house and external. And, yeah, I think the next big focus is on leadership and getting the team to learn how I've communicated and how the best leaders in our business communicate with clients to make sure that we can emulate that because that's probably the biggest growing pain is inconsistency in customer experience. I did a quiz this morning by Beaton Research, which was interesting because I've been really thinking deeply about customer experience and oh, yeah. whether it's like, like we were, I was saying before with the whether it's a professional services or whether you're at the cinemas or Woolies or whatever, it's the same, the same concept. People just want to be heard and you want to make the customer feel at the end. You can, you can do a design or a bit of whatever you're doing for the client, but if you don't make them feel good, they're not going to come back to you. No, no, no. And I think that is a shortfall of our industry is not being more customer centric and client, client focused and really kind of, recognizing that every client interaction is an opportunity to sort of cement your role as the go-to engineer or consultant for that client. And likewise, every interaction is an opportunity to stuff that up and have them go somewhere else. So. Yep. That's true. Yep. Absolutely. Mate, where do you think the market's going? Like to talk a bit of, talk a bit of shop. Like where do you, what do you see as the, you know, particularly your market and where you play over the next sort of 18 to 24 months? So at the moment, probably like 75% of our work is transport infrastructure. So airports, maritime and roads and highways and rail. That's going pretty well. And I don't see that slowing down in the near term. So with all the construction work, we, we do a lot with contract and with councils getting grant funding from the federal that's trickled through finally from COVID. There's, there's a lot of work and the airports put a lot of capex on hold and, and so did the maritime ports. So now that's coming back online, it's quite good. The other, the other significant component is buildings and doing a lot of resi ones, like the baseline new starts in Australia is usually around 130,000, I think is the number on average. And it, it blew out to like 180,000 in the last year or two. So there's been yep. a massive boom. I think that that's going to start tapering off sometime in the not distant future, which is why we're, you know, focusing heavily on the, the technology side of it to make it more efficient so that we can deliver a, a, a fit for purpose, well-priced service for people in that industry to try and grow the market share to maintain our revenue. Yeah, right. Okay, smart. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I think it's an interesting space at the moment. Like a lot of clients that I'm working with at the moment who are heavily invested, and when I say heavily invested, like all of their clients or all their work is in the land subdivision or the resi space. The work that I'm doing with them at the moment is let's let's peel that back a bit because let's let you know we don't know where that's going to go. Likely that will dry up a bit. To what extent, who knows? It's certainly been going ballistic over the last two and a half years. So I think, yeah, it's, it's a smart time to sort of think about over the next sort of 18, 24 months, what market's going to perform well, 
and what can we do to start to position ourselves to get some market share in that space? That makes sense. Yeah, 90, 90 to 95% of our clients, government or public sector kind of. Yep. And so we're, we're, we're lucky from that perspective. But that, that makes sense. Definitely, if I was in subdivisions, I'd be trying to diversify a little bit. Yeah, and the discussions I'm having with my clients are you don't have to go crazy, but say you're, you know, you're a structural engineer doing high-rise or medium-rise or something like that for developers who's obviously their end client is mums and dads who, you know, if interest rates go up and there it's a bit of a squeeze or, or a recession, if, if we go into one, that's, that's going to dry up. So how about we look at pivoting into commercial, industrial, where, you know, those, the people writing the checks in those spaces are, you know, big investment funds who still have to make returns for their investors. So they're not, not as sensitive towards those changes. Exactly. Yeah. And they still have to make returns for the people that have invested in their, in their real estate funds and that kind of thing. So they're more, more incentivized to still spend money when mum and dads aren't. So that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Good mates. Mate, one final question. Actually, is there anything else you want to sort of talk about or cover in terms of your, you know, your career, your, your business journey today? Sort of any standout moments for you? Not really. Like it's just been fun and I'm really enjoying the team that we've got now. The clients that we have, we have a, good, a lot of good, loyal, long-term clients. We've spent a lot of like effort since the start to have a big diversification. So I guess, yeah, one, one thing I'd recommend to anyone looking at having a, a business similar to ours is, you know, try and diversify as much as feasible because then you're not, you've got yourself hedged basically. So yep. we were quite lucky during COVID. For example, if I'd just gone out and just done an airport's consultancy business, we'd be stuffed by the end of 2020. Yep. But a significant, yeah, airports might constitute 20% of the business and it slowed down, but we were able to redeploy some of those staff into other types of roles as well. So we had that flexibility. But other than that, I, yeah, n- nothing specific. Yeah, good, mate. Well, one last question. Obviously, you are, you know, as you sit in this seat today, the sum total of all of your experiences today, you know, wins, lessons, you know, things have gone well, things haven't gone, haven't gone so well. Say you get the opportunity to, you know, have a coffee or whatever with the 10-year the younger version of yourself. What, what advice would you give the 10-year younger version of yourself now that, you know, you've lived an extra 10 years and you've got all those runs under your belt? You're going to have lots of kids. You wouldn't believe it, mate. (laughs) 24-year-old Jason would have had no idea he's going to have four girls and a boy. (laughs) I was just out partying still. Yeah, right. (laughs) I had no idea what was coming. Nah, I don't know. I I don't uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Like I've always just worked and studied hard. So yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. I love my life. Yeah, mate. Grit, grit seems to be a common theme for you and it seems to be just turn up every day, do your best, work through problems as they arise. And I like the other theme from you today, which is have fun. Yeah, yep, for sure. Fun and fun and grit. That, that, that's good takeaways. <laughs> <laughs> love it. All right, Jason, thank you so much for agreeing to come on the call today, mate. I had a lot of fun. No worries. Thanks for your time. It was great to chat to you in more detail and look forward to catching up again. Cool. Thanks, mate. Hi there, thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the episode as much as I did. 
Don't forget, if you'd like some help growing yourself, your team, or your business even faster, head over to my website, www.coachignite.com for more resources. Or book in a call and we'll map out a plan together for you to move forward with confidence. Don't forget also to hit the subscribe button so you get notified about future episodes. Take care, my friends, and see you again soon.